everyone, I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. Oh man, I'm here and in one piece. <laughs> Sunday was hard, you know. I'm not going to pretend it didn't affect me that I basically put out an APB for our players in the second half. I think it hurt because it felt really close to home for me, like our part of the field. It really resembled our household because Andrew slept through the game and I wasn't sure whether or not to wake him at any point because it wasn't going well. (laughs) But our half was MIA in the second half and I mean, there was nobody. Like it was me on the couch surrounded by scarves just watching the Bulldogs play. (laughs) It's sad. You know, I never want the season to end, especially ours. And there's Nomad Mondays following to kind of cheer me up. And Hooker didn't get a farewell game or any kind of field send-off. So my wish is for next season that all of the players who haven't been able to have family present for their retirements or their milestones, like Tomahawk's 300th over the weekend, just that they get like a victory lap at a home game for their team next year. I mean, at some point, I think that would be really nice. I know that the league will have moved on by then, but that's just kind of my personal (laughs) wish for, I need some closure, guys. But still, I'm incredibly proud of the club and for shining such a bright light in my direction this entire year and season from a year with almost no expectations. We were in a full rebuild stage, you know, before the season started. And we were known at the beginning as the team likely to be bottom four, if not bottom two. So we have exceeded well beyond all expectations. And, you know, we've got a new coach in truck, new president, new footy boss. I like the direction we're headed. So thank you to all really the Essendon peeps, everyone from the top down, you know, the admin to the staff, to the coach and the team and the bomber faithful I did say this stings a little, but I love you too, you know, and I'm looking forward to 2022 and getting further towards our next flag. It is a journey to worthy, so, you know, I'm sure we'll be mighty about it. Of course, as as soon as I drop the last epi, the news comes out about Teague just getting fired. So the club really waited until the 11th hour to make that determination. All the best to him. It feels like Carlton can finally move on now. I am still side-eyeing the fact that they kind of spoke with multiple individuals about the coaching role formally or, you know, informally before the cut. And then there was also the rumor following that that Richmond was exploring bringing him on for an assistant coaching role. And I guess Buck's name was also in the mix. And then he came out and said he was not interested (laughs) in coaching Carlton. So I'm not calling it the 10-foot pole club, but I feel like now they've got a clean slate again. Hopefully some new direction and clarity and, you know, they can just get that all out of the way so we can celebrate moving forward, moving on and moving up. Before we get to everything, though, I just have to give all of you big, big virtual hugs. I appreciate you for always listening. I say that so much, but thank you all so much. We hit 18,000 downloads worldwide on Thursday last week. So thank you so much for sharing your sport and love of it with me here on the other side of the world. And I initially hosted the pod on Anchor, if you all remember. So 
If you go on their website, AFL Obsessed, I'll leave it in the show notes or download their app. It's really easy. You can push. There's like a plus. It's a message button and just leave me a voice note and I'll play it on a future pod. So you can tell me how you feel about your club and season or you can pump up your team for the game this weekend if they're in it or, you know, just ask me a question. Anything you want to know. So let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in the U.S. and Australia. So I really spent the weekend excited for the games. This is obviously before they happened. So it was kind of my entire social life. But also it was kind of like rainy and the weather wasn't so great. But lots of the games have been on our screens over here in the U.S. for several of the last rounds. Quite a few games, actually. So every weekend, Andrew and I would just hold our breath and we would scroll ahead on the ESPN extended channels list in the channel guide to see if Essendon was going to be featured live. (laughs) And it always felt like a lottery. We haven't been featured in a long while, (laughs) but it's been several rounds since we made an appearance on there. But I was kind of freaking out when we saw that every single finals week game was going to be live on TV over here. So obviously I would much rather watch that on our big screen than on my laptop, but I was just very excited for Americans to see and kind of share our excitement But we'll get to the game shortly. Following that, Andrew did try his first Krona over the weekend. (laughs) So that was kind of interesting. You know, we needed some cheering up (laughs) afterwards. So we got some Dominique Ansel Bakery. (laughs) Um, And yeah, the Empire State Building was lit up red for Broadway's return coming up. So snaps for that and applause. I'm really excited about that personally. And the European Union, I guess, has just recommended new travel restrictions for unvaccinated U.S. visitors. So hopefully nothing else changes. But I remember a time not too long ago when we were persona non grata. (laughs) And I just hope that we don't get back there anytime soon. As for what's going on in Melbourne, they had 75 new cases yesterday. And lockdown was initially supposed to end on September 2nd. It had already been like extended once beyond to the second and now it's expected to be extended again for Victorians and the extended curfew still applies to everyone in Melbourne and in Sydney and in New South Wales they their new cases now yesterday was at 1169 1169 is a really scary number compared again in contrast to WA where they had zero so I always kind of have a little bit of sigh of relief, I guess, when I see their numbers, which brings me to the latest announcement. The grand final will be on September 25th at Optus Stadium. So congrats, Perth, for that. I'm really excited. I think it's a beautiful venue. And I'm just really interested in seeing what you'll do for the game and how you're going to run it. And just everyone over there getting the chance to have that, too. It's really exciting. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with AFL headlines and highlights from Finals Week 1. In the Port Adelaide versus Geelong qualifying game, it was such a loud crowd at the Oval. 15,000 peeps was the capacity initially for the limit, and during the week it was raised to 20K. So even the booing, I mean, it was giving me life at 5 in the morning. That stadium may as well have been like completely packed. 
So the cats were in control at first, and Port was fighting their way through behinds, and Alira Lear was a major standout. Someone in my Slack actually chat cracked me up. I think it was Butler in the third quarter, but he said, I just realized why his name is Alira Lear. There's two of them out there. <laughs> and that's what it really felt like if you were watching the game. Credit to Chris Scott for his massive effort to make all those finals appearances with the Cats. But Port was relentless in attack, and they made the most of every single opportunity they had, and then the Cats kind of faded. And Port was just an attacking machine where the ball was living in their forward 50, forcing Geelong to kind of play a reaction game or like reacting in real-time game. It really made a difference that Tom Stewart wasn't out there as like a goal saver. Fantasia's dribbler, though, into a completely open goal was probably one of my favorite moments from that game. And I honestly imagine if you had the game on and you just looked away for a few seconds, every time you looked back, Port would be kicking and like lining up to kick a goal because that's what it felt like. (laughs) In the Sydney versus GWS elimination final, honestly, when it started, it was like, damn, this looks like a final. You know, both sides were playing like their lives depended on it because it does. And Sydney was pretty aggressive through the corridor. I think the Swans had 10 debutantes in the series. So young team still, but GWS too, initially in defense, I thought they were holding up reasonably well to the Swans at the beginning and Haynes and Ward always, the sentries kind of guarding the gateway to the goals. They're like the Night's Watch in Game of Thrones to me, (laughs) but I feel like every team needs two strong bookends to guard your posts, you know, but a really thrilling game overall. And ultimately Sydney lost by one point. So I mean, you can just imagine the anxiety (laughs) that everyone was feeling, and I was feeling it too, and my team obviously wasn't in that particular game, but I really felt for Sydney at that point because I felt like their season really resembled ours. You know, we weren't really expected to make the eight, same for them. We were both like in a rebuild phase. They had a lot of young players. So following that, I just kind of had this really nervous feeling that I couldn't shake, and it kind of followed me all the way to our game. In the Melbourne versus Brisbane game, just the opening was so exhilarating. The back and forth, seamless transition of the ball. So the ball would go from one end of the field to the other, end to end. And one team would score and then the other team would respond. And such elite ball movement with like these seamless transitions, like I said, Melbourne is such a well-drilled team. They make it look easy. And every player on their team knows what to do when they get the ball. They know the process, and then they'll immediately shepherd for their teammate after disposal. You know, no one panics with the ball. And it's easy to see why they're at the top, because everything they did was just gold. There were some amazing marks and hangers in this game on both sides. But I have to say, my favorite moment was in the first quarter. I don't know if you agree with me. Danaher, you know, rolled on the ground. I think he was tackled, but he still kind of had the ball. So he was on his back on the ground and he just kind of set himself and kicked the ball. A pretty good kick too, you know, towards our goal square. I mean, you know when, well, you know, I love when players like bust a move I haven't seen before on the field. But also, I mean, both teams still are in it to win it. Like they both get to move on. So it wasn't an elimination final, which is really lucky for both teams. But that takes us to our elimination final, the Western Bulldogs versus Essendon. I remember, honestly, just a few months ago at the start of the season when 
I was all too excited about just a few sidesteps, you know, and I went into this game planning for the worst and just hoping for the best. I was trying to have zero expectations. I know Andrew kept saying, like, what percentage do you give us to win? And I just wouldn't name it. I didn't want to, like, speak it. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a super high number. And then we found out just before the game that Hind was at a tier two exposure site for two minutes to pick up a takeaway lunch. I think it was at a Kohl's. And so after self-reporting, he wasn't allowed to join them. And I mean, he is an absolutely essential component to our team. So that was a huge loss. So in my mind, I'm just like watching that percentage meter go down in my head. And the fact didn't escape me too that the time that we finally beat the Bulldogs, you know, this season was also the year we get Gia, you know? who's like this famous longtime bulldog, like player and assistant coach. But yeah, we had played an exciting first half, but the rain was literally pounding down and eventually ended up like pummeling my parade. (laughs) Um, And well, I mean, you know how the story ends. There were absolutely some calls I didn't agree with, and it's hard to relive it even now. But we also didn't show up for the second half. So, you know, the Bulldogs deserve to move on. <laughs> so I'm saying that through like gritted teeth. Um, but yeah, Cody Waitman, we've talked about Flea. You know, I adore him. And he ended up being the beneficiary of some interesting calls. I'm like side eyeing some umps. I don't want to do an ump dump here, but, you know, insert whatever choice words you have here. But Yeah, he ended up benefiting and kind of turning over and kicking goals with his free, um, you know, with these free calls. And honestly, afterwards, I found out that a whole bunch of Essendon or non-Essendon supporters took to his social media and just lit him up and just started bullying him. And that was really disappointing to see because, well, first of all, there's no place in the game for that. You know, check yourself before you even consider doing anything like that. But, you know, they don't sign up for this when they go to play the game. And also, you know, the Bulldogs just outplayed us. I really hate to say that, Um, you know, and it happens. So it was one of those things where, I mean, I'm still... (laughs) still thinking about it now and I'm you know I'm still sad like our season is over but there is a lot to look forward to you know and we just have to move on as for headlines there was a really interesting situation too with Walla following the game where there was some racial like comments being hurled at him and I just want to point out that he didn't play that game which is crazy to me I think there was also a Swans player who copped some fire from, you know, supporters or footy viewers, I guess. And then the Swans player just like immediately deleted all of his social media. So that always makes my heart hurt. Um, And really with Walla too, you know, as I've said, we've talked about this at great length. And I think the thing with racism is that, you know, it's never surprising, but it's always disappointing. And that's what really hurts about it because we talk about this seemingly like week after week, and then it still happens again for players that weren't even in the game for that particular one. And it's just obviously like, don't talk about them even if they are playing, but yeah, it's just something that I, I really, 
I mean, you guys know how I feel about this. We've talked about it quite a bit. I just would really like to see that stamped out from the game overall. And Collingwood is getting a new coach. So Craig McRae has been vetted. I think the club has taken their time really vetting him. And pending board approval, I think he'll be announced tomorrow as the new coach of Collingwood. So their coach search will come to an end. But yeah, tell me what you guys think. What did you think about the games this last weekend? What are your hopes for the semifinal coming up this weekend? What do you think is going to happen? My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail. And remember, you can head over to Anchor and just leave me a voice message if you'd like. Okay, it's intermission. So during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. So there's not a lot of sport going on right now (laughs) on this end. You know, it's always the time of year that I feel like ESPN has to mine for content. So college football started and is really starting mainly next weekend. And the U.S. Open just started. But that's kind of it. You know, there's no NFL. The NBA hasn't started yet. So often, like, during this time, I kind of see high school football highlights or heartwarming stories about players. There's always some strange sports that turn up on their channels. So there have been these articles circulating from the weekend. One of the craziest sports anecdotes, I think, of 2021 that you have to read about So ESPN aired some highlights from a football game in Canton, Ohio over the weekend. And it was between the IMG Academy, which is like a top high school football program, and Bishop Sycamore, which I remembered when this came up, I was like, I've never heard of them. (laughs) But that was supposed to be, you know, this game between two high school teams. And as the game aired, ESPN announcers were kind of cracking me up because they said they couldn't verify some of the stuff that was coming out of Bishop Sycamore's camp, I think. They had talked about how they had like several Division I athletes like on their roster. But actually what happened was ESPN got catfished. (laughs) Um, They were saying, you know, it looked like an obvious mismatch on the field. It didn't look like a fair fight. And they were worried about the health and safety of the players from Bishop Sycamore. But they ended up being this fake football team that was comprised of like 20 to 30 year olds maybe. And they were getting schooled by the high schoolers, which was hilarious. Cause I mean, they weren't like actual football players, but they did fool ESPN into broadcasting one of their games by, as I said, telling them that they had, you know, these athletes on their roster and it turned out to be all a big scam. So a former player for Bishop Sigamore. I guess their first recruit to has kind of come out and given this extensive interview and he talked about how he was also duped and didn't know the school wasn't real when they kind of tricked he and his mother and it's been happening since 2018. So honestly, you have to read about it. It's kind of crazy. One of those things you just don't think can actually happen and also to ESPN because you know they're kind of combing and vetting too but I can't help but think that like in the future, there will be a Netflix docu-series or something about it. But now we're on to act two, where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. So last week, the All-Australian selections were announced, the nominations, and now the squad has been announced (laughs) since the last epi. And of course, when I was looking at the team, I was like, okay, why are there 78 midfielders (laughs) on this list on the squad. I'm just kidding. There were, you know, I think 10 inside mids on the team, not including the Ruckman. (laughs) 
And they do get like this 50K pay bump, I found out, along with that distinguished blazer. I knew that they would probably get, you know, some kind of benefit or some kind of like additional pay. But congrats to all of the players that were named. I'm very happy about like our nominations. I think Merritt made the wing, <laughs> despite having only started on the wing like 2% of the time. <laughs> and Parrish made the bench. So I was really excited about those inclusions. But Stringer was not named, which really surprised me given what he's been doing, not just since the buys. I know Ralphie has made those comments about the first and second games. You know, he kicked like four goals in one game, three goals in the second. So it wasn't like he only was better after the buys. And I think Andrew, when I told him, I was like, oh, who do you think is going to get named to the squad? I think he just thought Stringer was a done deal. So he thought maybe some of the other players might be on the bench or maybe we'll miss out. So it was really interesting. So I think Stringer and Weedering not being named and really like all wingers, <laughs> they're almost dismissed at the time, I think generally were snubbed overall is kind of how I feel, just my personal <laughs> opinions on the snubs. Of course, it's not like previous years where it kind of reminds me of when I was doing my research. I think Geelong had like nine All-Australians plus the coach in 2007. <laughs> and in 2008, they had seven players also that were named to the squad, which I mean, you know, they were dominant during that time. But obviously, like, it was funny that zero of our players <laughs> made the squad in 2008. You know, it's just something to think about. But the Hall of Fame inductees and legends were also announced. And two people that were already in the Australian Football Hall of Fame were elevated to legend status. So Chris Judd, Nathan Burke, Debbie Lee, and Robert Wiley were inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Jake Odie and Murph McIntosh were elevated to legend status. So I just kind of wanted to throw a quick spotlight on Debbie Lee. This isn't like a full spotlight segment, but she was inducted to the Australian Football Hall of Fame for her giant contribution to the AFLW. She is a former player and coach, and she has just campaigned for recognition of women's Australian roles football in Australia, and she gave up a career in the Women's National Basketball League just to focus on developing the sport. And she was later appointed president of the VFL, VWFL, excuse me, <laughs> the Victorian Women's Football League. So Lee worked as the head of Melbourne Football Club's AFLW's operations in 2017. And then she ended up taking up the same role at the Western Bulldogs in 2018. And she was at the same time kind of appointed as the club's like VFLW coach for 2018. But she is the first ever female inductee to the Australian Football Hall of Fame for just her playing excellence and for being such a driving force of the game for women's AFL specifically. And I just have to applaud her and, you know, shoot her some bravos and encores because it's such a timely inclusion since every AFL club now, as we've talked about, will have an AFLW team. And I also wanted to talk about Toby Green. <laughs> I feel like his name does come up quite a bit, doesn't it? I know we've talked about how he has that white line fever and he's a really great player. So when I started following the sport, I remember one of the golden rules of Aussie footy that Andrew told me. And I don't want to use the term like sacrosanct or whatever they use. Like, you know, it's just like 
one of those rules where he said, you never touch an umpire for any reason during the game. You know, you can shake their hand before and after, but that's the extent of it. You never touch an ump for any reason. I'm assuming if an ump fell over and you're kind of like grabbing his hand to help him up, you know, that might be like something different. But it is one of those things where you just never touch an umpire during the game. So the incident, if you haven't already seen it from the weekend, from if you haven't seen it from multiple angles <laughs> by this point. So Toby is facing an umpire and kind of walking towards where the camera is. And he's walking past the umpire. And while he's looking at the umpire, he bumps him. Kind of like he would bump like a player on the opposition team, like as if he was trying to walk through him. So it was a really interesting thing that happened. It was a really interesting moment. And then he was immediately reported to the AFL tribunal with all kinds of recommendations and speculation really all across the board on social media about how much time he should get in punishment. And if you ask me, I really thought he was probably going to get around six weeks is what I was thinking, maybe five or six weeks. I knew he was probably not going to play the rest of the season. It wasn't my hope that that was the case. It was just I really felt like the AFL needed to kind of make a stand and really prove that like, you know, this cannot continue and it shouldn't happen again. I'm kind of reminded of when we talked about Tex Walker and how many weeks he got, obviously for a completely different incident and obviously for something that also is not and should not be happening in the game. So everyone kept referencing like Greg Williams and this bump on an ump. And so I was kind of doing research and I couldn't really see the incident, but he was basically kind of looking at an Essendon player and he pushed the ump out of the way because I think he thought it was like another player, but he wasn't looking at the ump, but he got nine weeks for that like offense. So, you know, this time was different. As I said, Toby was looking directly at the ump and at the time of recording now, he, it was just announced that he's been given three weeks for that, which was really surprising to me. Obviously he's out for the rest of the season the Giants won't have him to depend on or to play should they make it further into the final series. And then I think after it really settled in that the announcement was made, there was a following announcement from Gil and all over social media again that there was a surprising AFL announcement following that they didn't think that was enough time. So I think I remembered asking Andrew if he thought the umpire was going to testify and maybe his testimony would cloud. Obviously, if it's a player-to-player -player infraction, players' testimonies aren't really given any weight because they'll just get each other off. You know, it's like a player code, I feel. But with an umpire, I felt like if they're supposed to be unbiased. But at the same time, I was like, I think it shouldn't matter. But he did testify, and he said he didn't think that it was a particularly brutal bump or that he intended to hurt him in any way, which was kind of surprising too. And I don't know if that carried any weight in ultimately their decision making, but we'll have to see what happens. I think maybe even today we'll find out whether or not he gets an extension on that time. I think, you know, his carryover to when he'll be able to play again will be really interesting and to see how much time they ultimately give him. But let me know what you guys think about that too and how much time you think he should get. But now we're at the after show where I just have to thank you guys again to Infinity, really beyond that, for sharing a part of your day with me and 
really keeping me company. So hopefully I'm doing that for part of your day too. But that's it for me, guys. We will talk about player milestones and retirements next week. I'm really excited to kind of wrap all of that up. But thanks again for listening, rating, and subscribing, everyone. And thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with Footy. I'm telling that to myself many, many times. I'm just going to repeat that over and over. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk Footy soon.